All right, Joe Sheehan, Colony Confidential. Today's episode is going to be focusing on insurance. We have one of the industry greats with us, Frank McDonald from Select Insurance. Second generation, grew up in the business. Um, his title now is Senior VP and Co-Principal. Frank and I have grown up in the business together. Frank has a similar story to mine where he didn't take over the family business, went into another side of business, and then ended up coming back and is an amazing talent. We love him. We're going to talk to why insurance is so important. She and she, my father may want to chime in on the select insurance agency as well. My history with select goes back a ways. Um, I was making a speech somewhere upstate. Anything past the Bronx is upstate, of course. Um, and this lady came over to me and said, you know, I might be able to help you with the insurance. And I took a card. Anyway, I was using this other guy. And we had had a case, one case in 28 years. And he's kicking the price up. Oh, and, and of course, this year, I said, I don't know. And he says, you, you know, you're lucky if I can get insurance. So I decided to call Phyllis McDonald. And instead of paying... Uh, 32000 a year for insurance. I was paying nineteen, And the guy that was my insurance agent told me that could be illegal. Keyword there, could be, which was his uh, euphemism for I'm fucking lying to you. And we dumped that son of a bitch. And the next year, Phyllis reduced my rate to 17000 So a good part of my kids' uh, college education is because Phyllis McDonald. Besides that, I got hit with Hurricane Sandy. And I uh, called Phyllis, and she sent this guy around within a week, and an adjuster from Tennessee, his name was Johnny, and he told me he was going to get me $40,000, he's going to give us a, che a check in a week to 10 days. So two weeks later, no check, I called Phyllis, she said she'd get right back to me, and in 10 minutes she told me, we're going to overnight you a check, and the next day I got a check for 40 grand. That's the kind of service that you just don't find these days. It was just a pleasant, you know, it's just pleasant, that's all. I think everybody who uses Select can attest to the customer service, and it, it is definitely second to none. So, Frank, obviously we're here to talk about insurance, being that it's a family business and you are second generation, and you actually grew up doing pest control. we just like to hear from you what it's like working in a family business. I think every family has its own dynamics. For me... It was beneficial for me. I never had the ambition to be on this side of the business. I graduated college, got my MBA, and I was working for an insurance company uh, doing credit risk as a financial analyst, uh, an add-in for the insurance company. And uh, basically, I kind of found my way back here, realizing that you know, 60, 60 hours a week, I wasn't being compensated for it. If I wasn't putting that kind of time into something, I wanted it to be my own. Uh, at the time, Select was doing pest control insurance in the tri-state area in some Pennsylvania. And I joined uh, back in 2004 with the goal of taking the pest control program nationwide. So having spent time in corporate America prior to joining, I think it gave me a dynamic that a lot of family businesses don't have, where the second generation kind of did their own thing for a while and decided to come back rather than having no choice. On one hand, on the other hand, what I think makes us flourish and do so well year after year is because I have my side and my mother has her side. And we rarely step on each other's toes, meet every day to discuss what's what, 
But at, at the end of the day, I have what I mean. I run the pest control program, the sales, the marketing. I oversee the service, and uh, my mother is really 100% admin. The day-to-day stuff that allows me to get out and be in the marketplace and be at conferences, uh, knowing that I got her back here to kind of hold down uh, the fort, so to speak. You mentioned the goal of being nationwide from being a tri-state firm. Did you achieve it, and when? We're only 44 states at this point. Only? <laughs> well, yeah, I know that before 48. I mean, we booked it, uh, Alaska is a moot point, and Hawaii is just too, the time difference is too much. Uh, so we, we kind of avoided those two. So we're in 44 states in the District of Columbia, and really where we, where we didn't pursue would be uh, Montana, Utah, Wyoming, Oregon, and Washington. Those are sort of the, where we really didn't have any foothold. We didn't know anybody. Uh, a lot of times we'll meet a trade show and we'll meet a company from the state. And we'll pursue, you know, before we can begin, we'll look at what the licensing entails. Uh, the good thing about insurance, if you're, if you're a resident, if you don't sell in New York and your resident license is New York, I, can, I have reciprocity everywhere. So I can get a license just paying the fee as a non-resident. And it's not a big, you know, there's really not much to it. So I would venture to guess if I ran to a Washington insured at nationals or whatever, and I thought we had a good chance of doing business, I'd probably pursue it. But a lot of times, uh, one or two accounts doesn't pay for licensing. So if it's 44 states now, and I'd say we hit the 44th about two or three years ago. So I think most people listening would, would agree that 44 states is a nationwide and congratulations. I mean, that's a tremendous feat. I'm very happy to hear that. I'm sure my father is as well. So family business, you know, we all know what it's like. So you meet you meet with your mom weekly or daily? It depends. I mean, if I'm traveling, I'm saying, I can't. If there's an issue that we're working through, whether it's, you know, an operations, her office is next to mine. So we'll, we'll chat about it. But ultimately, we don't really cross over too much. I mean, when it comes to me writing an account, writing autos or, you know, doing business with new business or adding business onto existing business, it's not really something she she's involved in. But as far as on the back end, overseeing a lot of the billing and, you know, procedures, that's more her forte. We do meet, we at least speak daily. If I'm traveling, you know, we're, we're on calls a couple of times, just checking in, seeing what's going on. So, Insurance, aside from general liability and auto and comp, what are the other coverages you should have? Um, and at what point in business should you, you know, like when should you start to get them? Depending on where you're located, especially anywhere near a metropolitan area, an umbrella is critical. And what's critical in the umbrella is not even so much the general liability, it's the auto side because you're not going to get a $3 million GL claim. But you can get a $3 million auto claim pretty, pretty easily. So, I mean, if you have vehicles on the road, whether it be one or 100, the time to put an umbrella in place is as soon as that auto was on the road. Historically, years back, it wasn't so critical, but over the past two or three years, I've seen multiple auto claims that went well above a million. And, I mean, from that angle, it's, it's been something I've been pushing. I do a lot of startup business, and maybe in the first couple of years, it's not as critical, but as soon as there's a vehicle on the road, uh, it's something that, that needs to be done with the auto. We usually get a sign-off. They don't want it specifically for that reason. 
just to clarify for people listening, an umbrella policy is like an adjuvant for a chemical. It's an addition. So if your GL is 500,000 and you have a 2 million umbrella, that umbrella kicks in after the 500,000, essentially making your GL 2.5, right? Yeah, we're just adding layers to what you already have. And then my favorite insurance, EPLI. EPLI is the hottest section of the market that we've seen activity on the claim side, myself being a victim of employees you know, going after employers for being wrong in their eyes to some degree. Typically, once you have 10, it's something, it's something I'd recommend for everybody because unfortunately, when people want it, it's usually too late. A uh, claim is hit, which makes it difficult to get the full spectrum of coverages that are available in an EPLI policy. Uh, but basically, once you've got a handful of employees... It's something you should pursue, especially because it's much cheaper with five employees than it is with 50. And the price of the policy is far less than what you're going to spend on an attorney or on a negotiation where you're paying somebody off to eliminate liability on the exit interview. It's really become a hotbed. That's where a lot of the claims are coming from. It's something that nobody really thinks about, and they think they have it. Uh, they don't. There's no general liability policy out there that automatically has uh, EPL in it. Just break down what EPLI stands for and what it actually covers for the people listening that may be starting out. Okay, EPLI stands for Employment Practices Liability Insurance, and it covers wrongful acts of, the, of an employer or manager, whether the wrongful acts be wrongful hiring, wrongful firing, sexual harassment, discrimination, wage and hours typically covered, whether it be for just defense or for the actual loss of wage and hour violations which is the fair, fair labor law violations. Really, uh, there's a variety of, of, of specifics of what is deemed a wrongful act. And it seems as time goes on, there are more and more wrongful acts that attorneys can maneuver. And the EPL typically will model, change, and address those, the evolution of, of claims. Uh, typically, the way we write EPL is we had as a third party coverage part. And honestly, in pest control, this is the most critical piece of EPL because typically you're more likely to have a third party uh, accuse a tech of some sort of forcible touching or sexual harassment or them walking into a department and somebody changing, seeing somebody naked. Having a third party coverage there would protect the pest control company from those types of allegations. And that's really the reason why. I sell it more than employer issues. It's for that. It's for that purpose. And there's also something called full prior acts coverage, which means it's going to cover any allegation going back to the start of, to the day the business opened its doors. Not always available for all companies in all states, but typically it is, and that, that's that's an added piece we'll be throwing as well. In your work, you must have heard some really interesting stories from technicians and folks in the business. I've got a few. <laughs> Uh, some are still in litigation, but I, I do have one uh, of a porter uh, in a building who had a bit of a foot fetish. Um, was walking the, the pest control company around, and uh, the porter had asked the tenant if she would mind if he sucked her toes. Anything wrong with that? <laughs> and what, what, what really got problematic was the pest control guy was kind of dumbfounded. He was in the bathroom when this was asked. And, they, and the, the, the lawsuit came from both because he was there. If I recall, the company didn't have EPL, but it was they, they were really having a rough time uh, pinning them to it just because they were there. And I think they just paid the attorney for the, the fees and got out. 
We had foot fetish. We had. So Frank, a, before you go a, any further, did the guy ever get to suck this woman's toes? My assumption is she said no because it turned into a lawsuit. Oh, <laughs> Wait a minute. So how much did she get for that? I don't know what she got from the management company, but the, the board was like, "Oh, he's fired." Mm. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. The first time you told me about EPLI, the first thing I thought about was when I uh, when I was working for my father and I was covering guys routes and I'll never forget. I knocked on a door and a woman opened the door in a negligee and some other uh, inappropriate or appropriate, depending on who it was, uh, attire and screamed at the top of her lungs, slammed the door and said, you're not Johnny. And I wasn't. I could see that being a lawsuit now. Oh, it is. Yeah. The problem, the life, the real exposure pest control is you're only as strong as the weakest guy you got on the street. Yeah. And what that one guy can ruin you, you know, which has made hiring so critical in the industry. We were just talking to uh, Maria from Coal March, and we were talking about hiring and what whatnot. From an insurance standpoint, a ride along as part of a job application. What, what do you think as in insurance? There's it, lots. Gets, it gets complicated because you got it's, it's a second. You're doubling the workers' comp exposure, whether you're paying him or not. He's an employee or a quote volunteer, uh, either of which is going to get picked up on work comp. What I would suggest is if you're going to make the hire, make the hire, and then have him train with somebody for a few weeks in the car. I don't want to say it's commonplace yet, but a lot of companies are doing this ride-along thing to see if the person has what it takes to do it. And, you know, in, in our great state of New York, I jokingly said that you probably have to pay for it. Exactly. Um, in most states, you would have to. I mean, you, you, could, you could do a 1099 on minimum wage, and as long as you're all right with the exposure of work comp, which is really the only exposure that I could foresee, or any EPLI, um, depending on what goes down, um, but New York State, New York State's going to bring in a court if, if you uh, don't pay him. Right. And the problem is, all they have to say is that, well, I was I was working, and 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 Joe Sheehan said that he wasn't going to pay me uh, because I had to ride along. He, I mean, you know how New York State's going to do that, you know, right off the bat that you made somebody work and didn't pay. It's going to be a wage and hour issue. Right? They, they can even probably get fair labor law. Involved. So as far, I mean, as far as insurance goes, you're doubling the work comp exposure for a car accident uh, or anything even on the job. You have an EPLI exposure because the driver would be senior to the ride along. If you're okay with the exposure, which you'd have coverage for, if, if those policies were in place, I, you know, if you're all right with it, I really don't see an issue. But in New York City, you're probably going to have to pay the New York City minimum wage. It was one of those gray areas, and from my uh, understanding and dealings with insurance, anything that's gray is is bad. Have a good view. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> right. uh, gray area is always good for the employee, never good for the employer. Any other types of insurance that maybe you know people don't know about or coming out or you know? Yeah, I mean, it, we, we've done over the past few years. We've done quite a bit of cyber liability. Uh, which covers somebody accessing your information or the information you may hold of your clients. Uh, the issue with that is not so much that you're holding quote-unquote privileged information, but typically local governments and courts will require you to provide credit monitoring to your entire book of 
clients for some period of time. And that's typically where the loss comes from is the expense of that. Uh, so companies that house credit cards, that house check uh, routing numbers, account numbers, um, it, it's become you know important in the industry. Obviously, it's more important in my industry because I've got a lot more sensitive information. Right, but I, now with all with automation being so normal and commonplace, how many pest control companies do that ACH uh, where they take it? Every month, whether it be ACH or credit card, and it's all stored. Yeah, and it's all stored in you know what whatever programming uh, software they use. And chances are, depending on the software, if you're managing software, they basically you basically sign a contract that they're not responsible. So a lot of of times, it's information that's that could be exposed if the the company gets hacked. I don't know what they're. I don't know who, without saying any names of companies, I don't know what the parameters are in terms of what, you know, their cybersecurity. Any company, whether it's local or in the cloud or what have you, it's probably storing quite a bit of credit card information. Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to say up to date with all that stuff. I mean, it goes well beyond antivirus software. It's, it's scary. That really happened. Everybody's vulnerable. Anybody who opens an email in your, in your organization could be opening it up. Any other new products that business owners should be aware of? Cyber is probably the newest. It continues to evolve every year. Uh, crime policies are, have become more and more common. Another misconception is that if your tech is accused of stealing something, that your general liability will cover it. And in most circumstances, that's not true. We do sell a lot of crime policies, which basically protect the, uh, the employer from accusations of a client that one of their technicians stole a watch or a ring. And we also put an addition on there, an endorsement that covers them stealing from the employer directly within the crime policy. So let me just ask you, if you have a complaint from one of your clients who had an issue like that, their technician was accused of stealing jewelry, how would you advise that owner? The first question is, is your background check when you hire? And if it's no, we just put them on the street. Uh, we had one guy who, uh, there was an accusation made, I asked, did you run a background check? He said no, and he did after the fact, and the guy actually had multiple convictions. That never should have been hired. Right. Uh, and that actually turned into a larger claim that the general liability did pay, which I was surprised at. Uh, but typically, if there's not a crime policy in place, the vetting really falls on the employer at the time of hire. Unfortunately, just because they, they never got caught, it doesn't mean they're not doing it. So when you're thinking about insurance, you need to think about your hiring practice as well. So when it comes to EPLI and crime, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the biggest piece. And workers' comp, unfortunately, we don't know. I mean, sometimes I know because I do. Sometimes you'll have an employee that's floated from company to company and just gone out on work comp for extended periods of time. And, you know, New York State is so liberal that... That's information that employers never gain access to, yet you pay a significant New York State surcharge to have more competent state. So it's kind of, it's something that'll never change, so you really can't get angry about it. But there are employees, and I know a lot of you guys talk and are friendly, so it ends up getting out anyway. You know, don't hire XYZ because all he does is, 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 is bring out more complaints. Weed in the workplace. Have you seen anything like that insurance-wise? 
you know what? We, 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 had, we actually did an article with, with PMP I contributed about, just about three or four months ago. I think when Massachusetts went legal. Uh, I mean, our attitude and the carriage attitude has been, you know, they're far more worried about somebody addicted to opioids than they are weed. It's becoming legal. I don't think changes anything. People who are using it are using anyway. And just because it's legal doesn't mean a bunch of people will start using Have you seen any claims? A negative, um, like let's say in, in Denver, I mean Colorado, or any of the places where it's legal, have you seen or heard of people either getting terminated or not getting hired? You know, alcohol's out of your blood in what, 24 hours or something like that, and I'm not a doctor. And But weed is out of your blood in 30 days. So if you smoke on a Saturday and then you get into an accident on Monday... There's no, like, I, I foresee that lawsuit coming. There's no way to prove if I smoked and was high at the time because right. it's in your system for 30 yeah, days. I mean, yeah, it, it, as far as driving goes, I think they rely much more on the field sobriety test because you don't stink like booze. I mean, we have what I've seen. I haven't seen any claims directly related to any drug, at least in the past two or three years. But what I have seen is weed in the car shows up on your license whether you smoke it or not. It's like an open container. And uh, some states like California have sort of changed the description of the DUI to insinuate that it could be alcohol or drugs. Uh, typically, I think when they fail the field sobriety test, if the breathalyzer comes back as normal, you know, they, they can either there's been prescription drugs taken or they smoke marijuana. You know, one of the variety of things which... Unfortunately, whether it was real or not, the carriers can look at that, and that driver's going to have a problem with that driver right away. Being the wonderful litigious society that we live in, do you see it changing? Do you see it getting better, worse, staying the same? My best guess would be it's staying the same, because there's too many influential people who make money. Now, the attorneys who become politicians... You know, they kind of protect their own. So I, I don't see it changing because the people we need, people we rely on to change it, are making money off not changing it. So, you know, why, why would they? Sounds about right. I mean, we've needed tort reform forever. And, you know, half the attorneys running for president or running for or what have you, senators or whatever, have made money off, off tort liability their whole career. So they can either flip-flop and say whether they're against it, which everybody knows they're not, or they can just keep their mouth shut and all their buddies keep collecting money again. Yeah? I'm amazed Ed Sheehan is quiet at the moment. You know, I did things a lot different. Some lawsuits were settled because I had a friend that went around and talked to people. Allegedly. Yeah. Hypothetically, of course. Yeah, hypothetically. Um, it was just a whole different ball game. Yeah. And, and I mean, anybody who doesn't think that they're being watched is out of their mind. I mean, cameras are everywhere. We're seeing more and more claims involving uh, cameras, natty cams, hidden cameras. I mean, all the stuff is easy, you know, easily accessible. And we actually have had a claim just settled from a, a Nest, you know, the, the Nest uh, systems with the cameras. Yeah. It's very easy to, to, uh, to see everything. And any, and any employee... I mean, that's something to put in the next staff meeting. If you think you're not being watched, you're dead wrong. Because, oh, you know, everything. people without, without a dollar of their name can have cameras installed. Well, not only that, but, um, I mean, you and you may have heard about this. I remember probably close to 10 years ago, 
there was a guy going around in a wheelchair. They were just doing demand letters to all types of businesses that did not have handicap access. Right. Specifically, they were doing it to banks. These people are out there, and you may know about this. And for those of you in New York with uh, job ads, somebody recently in the state of New York got a demand letter because in their job application it said, must pass a background check, which... You can't do anymore in the office, right? You can't even put it in. This is a legitimate Department of Labor, I believe, violation if this person, but it's a demand letter, which is, it's almost like the attorney and scumbag that is is doing it is doing you a favor by not sending it to the Department of Labor. Right. And this is where EPLI comes in, but it's little stupid things like that in in everyone's state. And, And this isn't even New York State. This is New York City. And the guy's getting hit with the lawsuit and he didn't understand it. Um, and it, it's a freaking shame, but this it, it, people, so people can now, they don't even have to go and look at your, your address. They could just troll the internet and see something that doesn't look right and then threaten to sue you for it. Everybody knows it. Having out a felony, it's difficult to get job pay license in New York. So for years, anybody in New York's head would basically say that felons need not apply or must have, must not have a felony on the record. And all of a sudden, we had three companies got sued by the same guy for that it. And one, I think one said must have a valid driver's license, and the other two were that something about felons. And, and, and all of a sudden, we start changing their ads. I mean, people were just sitting on Craigslist looking for it, and all they were doing was, was, was uh, not even an attorney involved. They were sending the demand, and if an attorney needed to get involved, they went after the fact. But, I mean, you're not talking big bucks, but... If, it's an annoyance for one, and you know it's time, and usually it'll be five to ten thousand dollars a claim. Especially as a small business, that's why you have select insurance. You call Frank; he tells you to relax. You got insurance for this. Hopefully, you have the whatever it is. If it's EPLI, you should after listening to this podcast. But it's true, you know, like you said, uh, you're no exception to people uh, making demands. We had an issue as well. I was scared, nervous. And I called Frank, and he was like, you're covered. It was smooth sailing, but thankfully we were covered. Another ridiculous claim that you could tell us about? The breast augmentation one, where, uh, actually, I knew the technician, good-looking guy, popular guy, uh, entered an apartment where a woman was, I guess, four or five months post-op, and asked for an opinion. Uh, took her shirt and bra off. I don't, know, I don't know exactly, but according to her, it wasn't a good opinion. He says he, that's not true, we just left the apartment. It never, never resulted in a claim that the owner of the company did get called by this, by this individual that, her, that the technician offended her and her physical appearance. Lo and behold, she actually took the top off and was asking for his opinion. Whether he gave it or not, he was actually invited, but, you know, as it goes, that, that wouldn't matter either way. It's still going to be somebody's fault. You could sue, I mean, honestly, you could sue anybody for anything. True. The question is, is an attorney going to take his time to pick it up? Right, so what I'm getting here is a perversion theme for uh, cases and lawsuits in the pest management industry. Yeah, yeah. Aside from from structural claims, the next number two is uh, perverts. That's perversion claims have really become we actually just had one recently 
you know, for, for some people, you know, I say 60 and above, it was customary to kiss, kiss a woman on the cheek. You know, long before the Me Too movement and uh, people became more aware of what's appropriate and what's not, we had a particular technician who was in his late 60s and uh, took care of an issue. Woman was very happy. He kissed her on the cheek as he was leaving, and it turned into a whole ordeal. This is what I'm up to about. A whole ordeal uh, with what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and who's going to get sued because of it. And I can't really go into too much more detail because I believe it's going towards litigation, but if you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, that, that, that was a, a non-issue. It's sort of become you know, unacceptable, uh, but there are individuals of a certain age that nobody got to brief them on. You know what I mean? Yes, I do, because we've had to speak to several employees about saying, all right, sweetheart, honey. Yeah. Things so like, things that to them... I'll talk about their hair. You know, thankfully, my background is corporate America, where we had sensitivity training before you even put on the floor. You know what I mean? It, it was part of hiring. And, uh, you know, ever since then, it, freaked, it really freaked me out. So I, I don't say anything to anybody. Right. Yeah. Sheehan, what do you think about <laughs> <my> that? <laughs> right, right, right. You go home and you're like in corporate mode. But yeah. I'd like to see what uh, Ed Sheehan feels about sensitivity training. <laughs> I, if I was in it now, I would wrap myself in plastic. I wouldn't yeah. let anybody touch me. I wouldn't touch them. I don't know if that'd be good for business. It's just, it's just the world has gotten very complicated. Absolutely. And, um, Everybody's looking for a way to make a, a quick fast buck. buck and do as little work as possible. But yeah. um, hopefully that'll change. Um, these things have happened before, and somehow it's always gets straightened out. But um, it's nothing like a good beating to uh, change somebody's mind. That's illegal. We don't do that. There are different types of beating. I know, but what we're talking about now in sensitivity training is you might be good to teach sensitivity training like we'll send guys in and you'll just say everything you would do and we'll give them the caveat whatever he says to do do the opposite well, it, you know it's <laughs> it's it just takes it it just takes some of your precious time away from running your business and the one thing you never have enough of is just another time sucking piece of shit if you quantify distractions and put a price tag on them It's significant, you know, how much money you lose on a daily basis. My point. Distractions. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this all the time, that when we accept new business, we don't think about solving the problem. We know we're going to do that. We think about what our liability is. Should we take this customer on? And that's a number of things on the phone or when walking with them. And I mean, I'll never forget a woman that she thought she had bed bugs. This is before dogs were even available and we were doing human inspections. And I did a thorough inspection, but I didn't find anything. And I was offering her options with, you know, monitoring and whatnot. And um, as I'm standing, she goes, it bit me right here just now. And I tried to explain to everything. And she was just crazy. And that is definitely my, uh, my medical opinion, my official medical practitioner's opinion. And I told my office, if this woman calls, tell her that we can't help her because it, it would have been a nightmare. I mean, part of being an owner and... and- as we all become seasoned in our careers, you got to be able to identify. I mean, it happens to me at least once a week where I'll get a call from a show company that 
has an issue with their broker, and the issue they have with their broker is the same issue they're going to have with me, and based on the, the size of the bus they're throwing this broker under, you know, it's kind of like, you know what, I don't think I can really add any, any value to what you have going on, because the next bus that comes by, I'll be the one getting thrown under. Having a sense for who's, who's wasting time, for one. And, and two, you know, uh, what am I getting into here? I mean, there are a large amount of people that don't, that don't deserve to be your client. And identifying that, I think, only comes with, with tenure, really, in an in, in industry. Just to, to recap, the most important insurances are... If I had to pick a portfolio for all my clients, forgetting about price, it would be GL, workers' comp, auto, all of a million, with, a, with at least a $1 million umbrella, preferably more, and most companies that grow need more anyway. Um, EPLI is, is significant right now. Crime, cyber, you know, excusing any other, you know, obviously property is, is critical for your contents and your and building and whatnot, depending on the value of that. Sometimes it's better for us to take it outside of the pest control program and go to, you know, one of the standard carriers, which isn't always easy because pesticides are stored there. Uh, which is an issue for standard markets, but uh, typically yeah, property is a big part too. If I had to pick a toolbox, so to speak, of insurance, that that's where it would be. No, I think that's good. I know I'm glad we have it. I sleep better at night. Yeah, I mean honestly, like I said, I, I think the one thing that keeps me up at night is who I hire. One thing I want to mention that I learned uh, in um, insurance: once there's a somebody said there's something wrong, like we had a. Uh, case where um, dog got into some rat poison. Uh, right. so I was down in the cellar. And I think it was a laundry downy. So, you know, I went right away and uh, she told me she had spent uh, like 600 bucks with the uh, doctor and, uh, you know, uh, let me know. We'll cover the cost and everything. And then uh, I found bait thrown around the floor. So somebody got fired right away. And uh, the total cost was 800 bucks. But we paid for everything. So it was, it was cheap. If I didn't do that, I don't know what the insurance would have been because I was clearly in violation. But she could have went to court and said that this dog was her life and it caused all this anxiety and she wanted a million five. So the one thing I always stress is you got a claim, somebody says something's wrong, don't say I'll be there tomorrow, don't not go, go as quick as you can. The other thing like I teach the students, the people I taught, was if you, you have a claim, you gotta call your insurance company. One person told me, if I call them, they'll uh, they'll raise my rates. I'm like, who's this guy? But isn't it, I, I remember years ago, if I'm not mistaken, if you didn't call within a certain period of time, the insurance people didn't have to cover you? Uh, yeah, that was a New York State issue more than anywhere else, but uh, basically, New York State used to have what's called late notice. Yeah. It means if you knew there was a situation and you failed to advise anybody, the carrier could get off of it. That's been came modified about, it was in 2013, March 2013, they changed it so that they can't get off it for late notice, but they can't get off it if the late notice impeded on their ability to defend and investigate the claim. So if, there was, if it was in default judgment or it was already settled in court or proceedings had gone to a certain point where they weren't able to get somebody in to, uh, to respond to it, the complaint, they could sort of get out of it, but honestly, years ago, they used to hang their hat on that. 
Without late notice, late notice, late notice, I haven't seen a late notice claim happen because the honest truth is the plaintiff's attorney wants to hit the insurance company's pockets. So if there's a possibility that they can delay what's going on until the carrier can get somebody involved, they're going to do it with a drop of the hat. That's really what they want to have the least resistance. So it was basically a home run for plaintiff's attorneys when that became law because they no longer have to go after the company, the actual the insured, to get paid. But, Frank, also you can put... Uh, as we've done in the past, where we were, if somebody tells us if you're really concerned, you can just put the carrier on notice. Like, look, I don't know if something's going to happen, yeah. but this person thinks we damaged their table. Or Absolutely. Whatever. I mean, the truth is, you're not going to be affected adversely unless there's a payout. Right. And, and typically, the payout has to be more than your deductible, so that the insurance company's going in their pocket. Right. And, and at the end of the day, we do at least a couple a day where somebody will call on and say, hey, somebody said, they saw termites, we did the treatment five years ago, they haven't renewed. We haven't heard from them since, you know, at which point we do it notice only, or it's also called for record keeping purposes only. Basically, they open the claim, they close the claim. In case we need to revisit, it's been indexed, and it's easier to identify when it comes in, if it comes in at all. You mentioned the release. I actually need one. Um... I was at a golf outing recently for a client. So basically they said one of our techs killed their fish, right? They were just telling me this. They were like, I don't know if you heard about it, but we, this is what happened. I said, I'll pay for it. Obviously, it's like 500 bucks to replace the fish. But I, I, I said, you know, we'll have to sign a release. And she was like, oh, I didn't really expect you to pay for it. I just wanted to make sure you knew. But you hear stuff like that, it, it, 500 bucks for fish, What's the deductible? What's your deductible? Is it a thousand? Is it five thousand bucks to begin with? Yeah, at least. So five hundred bucks, and there's, that's it. You get the release signed. I'm gonna move forward. They were thrilled to hear I was gonna pay for it. They didn't even expect it. I know I'm gonna pay it. They're gonna sign a release, and that's it. We're not gonna hear about it again. Yeah, I mean the the, the, uh, the thing with that too is you know if it's below deductible, a lot of times you have people in that scenario where they're gonna play games with you. Where they're going to say, oh, you know, it's $500, but now they're worth 1000 and You know, they'll, they'll go back and forth, and, and you can't get a call back. And a lot of times, even if it's more deductible, report it to me. I'll get into the carrier, let the professionals work with her. You know, they'll settle it out, and then they'll bill you. I think that's it. This is, uh, we're going to sign off. Frank, thanks for coming on Colony Confidential. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's Frank, pleasure talking to you, and say hello to your mom. Will do. Okay, Frank McConnell, Select Insurance Agency, www.selectagency.com. I can be reached directly at 914-337-2161. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and review. Send us anything you want us to know about at colonyconfidential at gmail.com.